Thank y'all for rocking out with us. You know what I mean? This is the Combat Jack Show. First time uh, live experience in L.A. You know what I mean? We, we're pleasure. We, it's a pleasure to be here. You know what I mean? We got a dope guest, you know, it's, it's waiting to be introed, I guess. You know what I mean? But um, how many of y'all, y'all really fuck with the Combat Jack Show? Nah. Wait, 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 wait. First of all, I got to tell y'all, like, like, I'm really humbled by all the love that we get from L.A., and it's been a long time since we wanted to touch, touch ground here. So I'm just honored that y'all are here. Y'all came out. We, you know, we compete against the BET Awards. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's, that's pretty big. So that means that we got to give y'all a hell of a show tonight. Um, and what I'm going to do tonight is a lot different from our traditional interviews. Usually we have our guests up here and we talk. And y'all know sometimes it's enlightening. Sometimes it gets a little boring. But this brother right here has such an amazing discography in such a short period of time. And when I was doing the research today, I was like, we got to make this thing celebratory. I'm saying we got to celebrate our music. We got to celebrate our culture. And of course, we got to celebrate this man's accomplishments and this man's hustle. So I, I can't wait to start, man. Like, is there anything else? Is there a script? Do we need to do something else, man? Nah, I ain't no script, man. We just out here enjoying L.A. I don't want to leave, but we got to leave. I, I don't, we don't have to leave. I mean... Yeah, we don't, don't have to leave. I don't have to leave. <laughs> Combat Yo, jokes. you know what? You're a jokester, man. I, what? I, I didn't appreciate what you did earlier, man. Yo, man, don't, don't air our personal business out here to the audience. They didn't come to see our, our, for us air our dirty right. laundry out. Right. Would you, would you, would you, you, you got something to say, though? Nah, nah, nah. Salute. Yo, first and foremost, man, round of applause to DJ Head. You know what I'm saying? Salute, Love salute. DJ Head. Want to shout out our sponsor, Acid Cigarillos. Yeah, Acid in the building. And then y- y- y'all ready for the show? I'm a little nervous, yo. I'm a little nervous, but that's a good thing. And shout out to Bar 9 for allowing us to utilize this space. Yes. Yo, this is a nice spot, yo. This is very when, dope. When, when I jumped yeah. out the, the Uber, I was like, yo, is this a setup? <laughs> this is in the cut, the cut, 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 cut. <laughs> yo, without further ado, we're going to get this thing going. You know what I mean? Our guest, like, he's, like Combat said, is, you know, he's an uh, amazing producer slash artist slash entrepreneur. entrepreneur. You know, I call him the new, the, the 2017 or the new age Jermaine Dupree. Uh, for a lot of different reasons, you know what I mean? His, his air for talent. Yo, you know what's embarrassing? What's up? When, when I saw him come in, I was like, yo, Mike, it's such an honor to, to, to meet you. He's like, yeah, I met you several times. I was like, ah. It's like, when's the last time? And he was like, I was like, yeah, I was a little, I was a little faded, so I want to make up for that. <laughs> Crazy, man. Come on in, y'all. Come on in. Yo, let's I, give think these people I think that's his family right there walking let's in. Let's give his family round of applause to Mike Will's family. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Combat Jack Show Live. I think we're ready. Let's do it. Without do- further ado, Internet from Marietta, Georgia, Mr. Mike Will made it. Test, test, test. Let me slide this over here. How you Yo. feeling, Mike? Man, I'm chilling. You chilling, man? I mean, this man. Yeah. You know Yo, your history. It's so rich. And I want to just jump through a lot of periods of your career. But what I find amazing is that you grew up in a very solid home, man. Like, your, your pops was corporate. Yeah. But he was also, like, a club DJ. <clears throat> yeah, he was, a, he was a DJ before before me. I wouldn't just say pops was in the club when I was young. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was at the crib. But he was DJing before me. But 
when we were in the crib, he had all the records from when he was a DJ. So like, when he was really, really at the crib, Pops was like more corporate and just on me like, you know what I'm saying? Like not playing about the grades, not playing about nothing for real, you know what I'm saying? And just, your mom, your mom's was your mom's was a singer in, in in the gospel world, right? Yeah, yeah, she was with Dottie Peoples. Yep, she was a singer in Dottie Peoples Choir. You know what I'm saying? They used to be on tour all the time. You gotta explain to me how your sister was a drummer in the Olympics. Drum major, yeah, drum, drum major. Ma- like what is like what is that in the Olympics? Like it's what does a, that it's mean? Like, it's the person that you know what I'm saying, conducting the band, like keeping the beat. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, my my sister, she was real focused on whatever she did in school. She always had good grades. So, like, bam, she took it real serious. And the Olympics came to Atlanta uh, in 96. And then she was just in the Olympics. She was a drum major. Right. So you got to go to Olympics when you was young? Yeah. How was, was that, man? It was ill. I mean, I thought <clears throat> at that age, I'm like seven years old, so... I didn't know if it was like the Super Bowl, like it was going to come back. But, you know what I'm saying, it was really a big deal. Like, now I look back at it, like, I man, I was at the Olympics, dog. Right? Like, you know what I'm saying? And Atlanta's been – Atlanta's changed ever since then. Like, it's always grew bigger and bigger ever since then. So, growing up, man, like, when you – you know, growing up in this musical household, yeah. but at the same time your father is drilling you about, you know, the virtues of going to corporate America, getting a nine-to-five, like yeah. – what did you envision yourself doing when you grew up? Getting some money. Tell my dudes we couldn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, we had to get past wherever we was at, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, man, no matter what, I'm going to make it. I was confident, you know what I'm saying? Like, <clears throat> Why? Like even, Why? Because a lot of people say they were confident, but a lot of people just talking that caca. Yeah. Like, what made you confident, B? I, I would say um, it's like the sink or swim kind of thing, like, you know what I'm saying, you either sink or you swim, I, I wasn't going to sink, you know what I'm saying, so I was about to swim, so, like, it's like, man, you don't, you don't really know, you don't really know that you don't want to sink until, like, you, you know what I'm saying, you start feeling feeling that pressure when you go underwater, you know what I'm saying, so, like, like I kind of, we, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't been hungry before, like, mom, dude, some been laid off, you know what I'm saying, like, like, man, I was always working, I was always trying to give me some money since I was, like, 13, 14, you know what I'm saying, so, boom, Stand, stand hard on the grind, and and I and always buying my equipment. And you know what I'm saying. My my pops will buy me some equipment. My moms might buy me some equipment, or my moms might open up a a credit card, and you know what I'm saying. I might buy some equipment like that. So I had to pay it off. You know what I'm saying. So it was like, man, I gotta go hard, and I wasn't looking for no handouts. I was just, I was just trying to go hard and make it. Who would you say was the most influential to you in terms of being successful and getting money? Mm, what stage? I mean, at that stage, when you're young and you know that you want to win. Okay, so let me go back. Like, I've, I've spoken to a lot of people that have been successful. But most people don't know success until, until they see an example of it. So, for example, RZA. I always bring up this example. RZA was like the 10th of 13 kids. And they grew up in the projects in Staten Island. So I'm imagining that there's no examples of success. So I asked him what gave him the inspiration to be successful. And he was explaining how his uncle was a surgeon in Atlanta. And he, you know, during the summers, the youngest kids would go live with him in Atlanta. And he's like, the minute he lived in a mansion, the minute he saw successful black people, he knew that that was possible. So what was that, what was that turning point for you that was like, yo, 
this is possible. Yeah, it was so it was so many different things, man. At, at, at different points, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I was always the type, man. If I see something I want it, that'll make me want to get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I never was the type, like, oh, he got that, uh, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm not I'm not a hater. Like, if I see something and I like it, it's gonna inspire me to go hard. So, like, um, one. There used to be this dude down the street that used to drive this big Tahoe on some big rims. And I was like, man, I gotta be able to just get me a car and just hop out fresh, like, like how you hop out every day, like, you know what I'm saying? Just take care of mines. And that's when I was like super young. Then, like, when I started being around like Gucci and start pulling up to like, you know what I'm saying? Like Gucci crib, Walker crib, and like just seeing how they live. And I'm like, man, I gotta get me a crib like this one day. I'm still staying with Mom Dukes. So first, first crib I, first crib I get when I, um, when I move out of when I move out of my mom's crib, it's like a crib like just like that. Like it's in the country club and everything. I knew what it was. As soon as I walked in the front door, I'm like, so I ain't even <laughs> had to see the house. I just I was like, so and bought it cash. You know what I'm saying? Because I already knew years prior. I was like, man, I gotta get me one of these one day. You know what I'm saying? Then when I started coming out here to L.A., boom, I saw Puff. I went to Puff's crib and I was like, damn man, he got a crib in the hills. And then I was just seeing how like. Dr. Luke had like his own production company and like people from his production company was like had their own crib in the hills or or like um um he had like producers that were like popping you know you know what I'm saying in the industry and everything like that and I was like man yo one day I want to get a crib in the hills and then have my my squad be able to afford to have cribs in the hills and have cars and we just moving out here you know what I'm saying and then boom we bought our first crib in the hills and I brought Shrimp out here with me and then now Shrimp got multiple cribs in the hills. You know what I'm saying? We got a couple cribs in the hills. We're moving around in foreign. So it was just, it's like Biggie said, it was all a dream. You know what I'm saying? Like everything was just all a dream. And I'm just seeing it all come to light. And so I would say the biggest inspiration would be God. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I was praying the whole way. And everything just coming to light. Talk about when you were coming up and you were running with Gucci. Like other than the things that you saw that he had, like, cause Gucci is such an enigma, man. Like, yeah. what did you learn from him? What were the things that he taught you that that helped you in terms of your, your journey to success? Uh, Gooch, <clears throat> go hard. You know what I'm saying? Go hard and don't chase nothing. You know what I'm saying? You don't gotta chase nothing. Just we were just we were just doing us. We were just in the studio all day, working on music. Leave the studio, go to the strip club, play the songs, see how it sounds. People like it. We put the music out next week. Boom, same old recipe for just and head down and just work hard. We we're not we're not watching to see what everybody else doing. You know what I'm saying? If we listen to other people's music, it's for some inspiration or it's for like uh just to check it out, just to be you know what I'm saying? Like keep up with what's going on in the culture, but it wasn't never to like, oh man, we gotta do something to sound like this. Like now nah, we were just in the studio just doing whatever we was doing, like the most throwed off whatever thing like we thought would move, you know what I'm saying, move people in a club or move anybody in, go to the strip club or go to a club and just play it. And then we'll listen to it, might go to the club in the daytime and play it. All right, better go to the studio, be in the studio all day. And then just stay down and working. And then another thing, Gucci always, like one thing I learned from Gucci, like, like even if you got some kind of success, you don't got to act like, you know what I'm saying? That you got that kind of success. Like, I always fuck with people that's just a shit, no matter what. Like, if they the shit, like, because they popping or if they the shit because they coming up. And that's one thing I respected with Gucci. Like, he, he just fuck with me. 
I was I was young, you know what I'm saying? And I was just coming up and then he just he just fucked with me because he heard my beats and he after that he was just like, Yeah man, you come to the house? Hey man, you coming over here? Hey man, you going I leave I am leaving high school every day, pulling up on Gucci wherever. I call him, Yeah, we over here, I'm finna text your address. Pulling up over there, you know what I'm saying? So I mean it was all it was always love and one thing Gucci respected was anybody who would grind, grind hard and that was that was you know what I'm saying? Like I wasn't sitting around waiting to see like what Gucci was gonna do for me or like what Gucci gonna teach me or what whatever he dropped I'm picking up. You know what I'm saying? Whatever game he dropped, I'm picking up. Whatever whatever he, he leave on the table, I'm soaking up. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's just like boom, we just you know what I'm saying? I'm just a young dude just soaking up game and he, he respect the grind hard. He respect how hard I used to go. And then as he started seeing me grow, like two chain like Gucci might be at the studio right here. Future might be at the studio like literally like two minutes away. This studio called Eleventh Street. Gucci be at Patchwork. And then if you go to Hot Beat Studio, it's where like a lot of independence work. So I would I'm from Marietta, so I would I would drive to the city every day. You know what I'm saying? I might go to Hot Beats first. The A room, B room, and C room, they all working on my beats. Boom, pull up on Gucci. Me and Gucci done knocked out about three, four songs today. Pull up on Future. Me and Future knock out about two or three songs. Lead there, two, two chains like to go in late night. So I pull up on two chains around like 11, 12. You know what I'm saying? All the way on the south side, Old National. I'm, on, I'm, I'm at his crib. I mean, I'm at his studio. Boom, we in there. We knock out about two songs. You know what I'm saying? By this time, it's about three or four in the morning. I got to drive all the way back to Marietta. Boom, drive all the way back to Marietta. Go to sleep, wake up, do it again. You know what I'm saying? And and at the end of the day, boom, Gucci, two change future. You know what I'm saying? Everybody was coming up in the A. They just saw how hard I was going. So they, they didn't do nothing but salute it. Like, you know, I fuck with them. You know what I'm saying? They knew one day. Something, you know what I'm saying? Something was going to come out of it. And that one day, and I want to jump into your discography, man, because you came, for us that really didn't see your grind, the invisible grind. Yeah. One day you came out of nowhere yeah. with this song. Yo. Yeah, man. That That's your first hit. Nah, for real. That's your first hit record. Yeah. Your first hit record out of the fucking blue. Yeah. I remember being, DJ Clark Kent used to have this annual barbecue in his backyard. And the minute this record came in, all these Brooklyn niggas went crazy. Like, Shout out you to know Brooklyn. what I'm saying? And, and, and Brooklyn really wasn't fucking still with the South like that. But this record permeated so much. I mean, how did you even get this opportunity to link up with Rick Ross and Meek Millie and the whole MMG gang, man. Man, I ain't gonna lie, man. It was so crazy because at that specific point, that's like when I dropped out of college and everything. So like, that's like, that was a whole nother, that was a, that was a whole nother Mike Will. That was a whole, that was the birth of eardrummers and that was a whole nother Mike Will and that was like the, like, it was a whole nother focus. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I had already been doing so many songs on mixtapes. I, even before this song, I had over 100, 200 songs in the street on, on, on mixtapes. You know what I'm saying? Just, just with up and coming people. So I was just trying to figure out, like, man, what makes the difference between me and Puff or me and, like, Kanye or me and, like, uh, Drummer Boy or me and, like, you know what I'm saying, Dr. Dre? Like, what makes the difference between me and these guys? Okay, they all got production teams. That's what makes them super producers. They're, they're building, like, 
ill production teams and they come up with the illest sounds and then they the hit makers and then they know how to make hits and they know the formula how to put together hits and they know how to give this sound to this person and I'm just being a student of the game and I'm just watching it so boom I come up with my own production company called the Ear Drummers and then you know what I'm saying I was like man I always want to have the greatest songwriters producers artists in the game, like, I just want to build that one day, you know what I'm saying? And so, like, I was just trying to build it up ever since I was a teenager, man. I hollered at, you know what I'm saying? Everybody, every every young cat in the A that's making any kind of noise, I done hollered at him, you know what I'm saying? From my boy Southside, from Metro to Sunny Digital to, you know what I'm saying, to uh, TM to, you know what I'm saying? Like, all the producers that's on my team right now, you know what I'm saying? And um, so, boom, we had, we had um, ear drummers. And we started, we started just collaborating with beats. At this time, it was like a lot of competition with, you know what I'm saying, producers or whatnot. Like, this producer is trying to make harder beats than this producer or whatever. It's friendly competition, you know what I'm saying? But, like, man, I, w- I was thinking, like, okay, how do we just click up and just make some money? Because we all in the same boat. Like, we all right here in the A. They sleeping on us. We all trying to get noticed. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, what are we going to do? All right, boom. Well, we got to have some kind of focal. You know what I'm saying? All right. Eardrummers. Mike will made the eardrummers. That's what it is. Right, this going to be our sound. Aggressive, bro. Like, it got to, it got to just sound raw. It got to, you know what I'm saying? It got to be beaten. Like, it got to be cinematic. Everybody else, hard beat sound like this right now. You know what I'm saying? All right, let's make our beat sound like this. You know what I'm saying? And then we start coming with a sound and a formula and we start cooking it up. And then, um, by this time we had, that pack was starting to get, you know what I'm saying? It was starting to get fat. So now it's like, okay, boom. Now I got to get these beats out. All right, well, I'm already in the studio with Future Gucci and 2 Chains every day. We're doing songs every day. Boom, I'm on Twitter, and I'm just I'm just hitting up, like, one of, one of Rick Ross' A&Rs, and I was on like... On Twitter? On Twitter, I'm like... Don't sleep on Twitter, Internet. No, 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 don't sleep on Twitter, man. I ain't going to lie. I, I was really sleep on it. I was like, man, <laughs> I, don't, I don't... You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't even really understand it, because it was new at the time. I was like, what, what is this Twitter? You know what I'm saying? But then... Somebody was telling me, like, no, nah, you can network for real on Twitter, bro. And so I was like, all right. So <clears throat> next thing you know, I reached out to one of his A&Rs. And I'm like, I hit him. I'm like, man, I need to get you these tracks for Rick Ross. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're going crazy, going crazy, we're going crazy. They finally DM me with an email. So I sent him a bunch of beats. So, you know what I'm saying? They hit me back and was like, yo, put this beat to our side. Then they hit me back again, like, yo, put this beat to a side. And it was three beats. So it ended up being Marble Floors, oh, Tupac Back, and um, and King of Diamonds. Man. You know what I'm saying? And he did all three of them in the same night. You know what I'm saying? But he put out Tupac Back first. And then Marble Floors was just a hook. Like, he did all those hooks in one night. You know what I'm saying? So he gave Tupac Back to Meat Mill. He gave Marble Floors a French. And then he used King of Diamonds on one of his mixtapes. So... That's really how the whole Rick Ross thing came about. You know what I'm saying? It was like an email thing first. But it was good because everybody in Atlanta at this time, I'm 28 now, but at this time I'm like 21, 22. You know what I'm saying? So, like, everybody in Atlanta, they they mess with me. They mess with my sound. They respect my grind and everything. But I'm still a young nigga. You know what I'm saying? So, like, once I was able to put that single out there and I had the single on the radio, then it made people like, okay, hold on. This this my young nigga, like you know what I'm saying. I fuck with him. Yeah, yeah, man. Let, let, let's get another single. You know what I'm saying. Like once that shit, once that shit, like really shook up the game, and you know what I'm saying. It just added 
you know what I'm saying, validation to it, you know what I'm saying, to the sound, to the to everything. And I remember like that song was out going crazy on the radio. Gucci was just coming home. At this point, me and Gucci hadn't worked in a in a couple years, you know what I'm saying? He was just coming home. They're like, yo, Mike Will got the hottest song on the radio. You're like, Mike Will, that's your beat. Man, that go crazy, bro. You know we gotta go crazy. You know what I'm saying? And and that's my boy. You're like me and Gucci, every time we get in the studio, we go crazy. So boom, we went in the studio and we locked in and we started working on like um we started working on a bunch of different songs and we ended up coming with Free Bricks. I had linked in with Future and then we came with Free Bricks, the first Free Bricks. And that was like around that time and shit too, 2011. Yo, 2011 was a big year for you because you come out with that record and it's Tupac back, but it sounds like Godzilla's back because it's so big. <laughs> it's like just monstrous, right? Or I always then, say it sounds like a horse race. Yeah, and then the next record that you drop, you take it in a whole different direction. Go ahead, Head. Y'all remember this, right? Y'all ain't forget. Now, the question I want to ask you is, is Tupac back is such a, a, a aggressive beat? And then you jump into this, you know, turn out the lights with Future and it's so melodic. It's, it's instrumentation. Like, you, was, you said earlier when you started Ear Drummers, you was really trying to lock in on your sound. Yeah. But how were you able to stretch from that to this? Man, that, that was rule number one with eardrummers too. It was like, man, we're not putting no boundaries on this shit. Like at th at that time, I felt like it was a lot of um, like genre, like like different genres of music was almost like segregation. You know what I'm saying? I felt like it was time to dead that. I felt like, man, like man, we were really on that genre built, um, genre bending like type of production. Like we we're like, okay. Like, even when we started putting filters on the beats, you know what I'm saying? It was like, man, only people that was doing that at the time was, like, Afrojack and, like, you know what I'm saying, big pop producers and big crossover producers. So it was like, man, okay, we're going to take these elements and add this. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're going to take different elements. And then, all right, our bass is going to sound like this, distorted, and this is going to sound like that. And You know what I'm saying? So, but at the same time, like, that's that, that's that pretty hard. That's that pretty mixed with hard. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what that's what turn on the lights is, and it was like, man, um, I feel like I feel like we never like when we came in the game, like me, P, Mars, A plus, J Bo, like we were so focused that we were like, man, we want to make the biggest records, you know what I'm saying? So we had like a whole folder of pop beats that then nobody want to hear. Cause they were just into two pop back. So they, man, where that hard shit at, man? Where that hard shit at? You know what I'm saying? But what made Turn on the Light so important was, cause me and Future already had itching and we had ain't no way around it in the streets. You know what I'm saying? And that was already like bubbling. So like when we came with like something like Turn on the Lights, that was just such a different record on his project and such a different record than what we, we've already done. So it just cut through and then everybody was like, hold up. You know what I'm saying? They weren't expecting that from neither. Yeah, exactly. They weren't expecting that from Future. They weren't expecting that from us. They weren't expecting. So it was like, it was like a, um, it was like a culture class. It was like a shocking moment. You know what I'm saying? And then that that song just ended up cutting through. But meanwhile, like the whole team, the whole ear drummers, we knowing what we got up our sleeves. Like we know we got a whole another catalog. We already had the Miley Cyrus catalog at this time. We already had. Um, 
R&B tracks, you know what I'm saying? We already had a whole bunch of tracks just locked and loaded. We were like, man, we were ready for war. We were like, man, we're ready to go in the studio from Gucci Man to Disney to and everything in between. Like whatever, whatever commercials, whatever, whatever it is, man, just put us in the studio with us. You know what I'm saying? And, and if we fail, lock us out the studio. You know what I'm saying? And and that was it. That was my that was my only promise to like A&Rs or managers or people that worked at labels and stuff like that. That was my only promise. Man, just put me in the studio with the artists and, and let's just see what we do. Yo, so 2011 is a big year. You got these two big records on the radio. You're 21 years old. How's that feel? I was about 22 at that time. It felt, it felt cool. I was still broke. You're still broke, right? Yeah. yeah. But that's a good feeling though, right? Like, like, like take yourself back then where you're still broke you following your passion. Oh, yeah. It's working, and you know the money's coming. Like you, you can't wait till <clears throat> the money comes. You don't know the money's coming because when you've been making beats for Gucci Man since 2007, <laughs> and you've been doing so many mixtape records, and then you didn't try, you didn't heard about pub deals, and you didn't heard about different things like that, and then you end up, you know, what I'm saying going down trying to get a pub deal, and and you know, what I'm saying like, and you really don't know the business like that, and you've never seen any money like that. You don't even know the money's coming. You just like. I don't, man, I got another hard song that's out and they playing it, but it's a lot of pressure as a, as a young CEO and an entrepreneur because you got your whole team that's also broke. And then, you know what I'm saying? Like, all of us is just coming from, from nothing. So everybody's relying on you, like, man, bro, we believe in your plan, bro. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it all sound good and okay. Like, they starting to play our songs, bro. Okay, we on the radio, bro, but where the checks at? Like, you know what I'm saying? So. Cause they're thinking you got all the money. Man, they thinking I'm, you know, it's always, it's always the peanut gallery, you know what I'm saying? So it's always the people on the side that's going to be like, man, oh, man, oh, man, you saw what Mike had on today, or, you know what I'm saying? Or, what you had on today, man? Man, I don't know what I had on, you know what I'm saying? But, man, you just saw what, you saw what was going on, you saw what, you know what I'm saying? So it might be, it might look like, okay, he might be pocketing all the money, you know what I'm saying? Because you know how the music industry go and different stuff like that. And I'm trying to tell them, like, hey, bro. Man, that's not even my forte. Like, I'm the type that if I buy a Rolex, I, I, I want my, my homeboy to be able to have the money in his pocket. If he want to buy a Rolex, he can buy one too. Him too. You know what I'm saying? Like, at this time, everybody at my door like, yo, can we sign you for a pub deal? I'm like, nah, I ain't, I ain't signing nothing until I can give all my all my uh, homies a check. Like, everybody on my team a check. And the product, and the, um, all the publishing companies that were coming to me just offered me, you know what I'm saying, different kind of monies, different kind of deals. I'm like, nah, man, like... Yo, you smart, like, man, because when I was in the music industry, I used to always tell my clients, don't ever sign a publishing deal unless it changes your tax bracket. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, I knew, at this time, I knew, like, the money they were offering me, it was definitely going to change my tax bracket. But... Everybody around me was, I felt like everybody around me was just as important as me. You know what I'm saying? And I felt like everybody around me was the shit too. And I felt like everybody around me deserved, you know what I'm saying, six-figure checks. You know what I'm saying? And so, and, and, and they were telling me like, man, who are they? We only heard it. Well, that's because you only hear my tag. You know what I'm saying? But these, man, these, this is my production team. We work together, man. So it's like. Boom, like, you know what I'm saying? I need everybody over here to be straight. We need to continue. We need to be like, this need got to be like Puffy and the Hitman. You know what I'm saying? This got to be like, you know what I'm saying? Dre and, you know what I'm saying? His production team. Like, man, this, like, we got to be comfortable. You know what I'm saying? And I've been broke all my life to the point where even if I take this money right now, 
I'm gonna go spend it. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go spend it. I, it don't mean nothing. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I never had it, so I'm gonna learn how to how to work with money as I go. But I can't sign nothing until I get everybody around me straight. You know what I'm saying? That's smart, man. So so going into 2012, 2012, 2012, and this is when this is when shit gets crazy. Right, right before 20, right before 2012, though. This when everybody was on my line. My boy Big John called me. You know what I'm saying? This when he was still. Platt. Yeah, he was still at EMI. He was like, man, it's our first com- phone conversation. So I didn't know who he was. So he called. He was like, yo, this Big John. My First, my attorney called me. It was like, yo, Big John wants to talk to you. I'm like, all right. You know what I'm saying? Then he was like, um, you get on the phone. Then the assistant picks up the phone like, yo, I'm going to grab John for you. So I'm like, who the hell is this the guy? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so then he gets on the phone. and he's like, yo, what's going on, man? da, da, da. Yeah, man, we want to do this deal with you, and da 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 da. And at this point, everybody calling, so I'm just like, man, all right, bro. Well, I'm in the middle of making a beat, bro. I'm gonna uh, just talk to my attorney. You know what I'm saying? We'll figure it out. I ain't know who he was. You know what I'm saying? So we get off the phone. So then we go into 2012, and then and then and then you drop this record. We can't turn it up. We can't turn it up. <laughs> What? I'm out of breath, man. Just thinking uh, about that, man. How the fuck did you link up with Kanye and do this record, man? Man, it was crazy. When I turned 23, it was like no looking back. That's a, I feel like that's when I really started to feel like, okay, this, this music stuff is starting to really be real. Like, I turned 23, and... um. Ludacris had, had flew me, like we was on a private plane. I went to one of his shows. He was like, bro, you just gotta come catch a vibe. Just see the crowd, just be on the private, just, you know what I'm saying? All that, bro. You just, cause you're gonna be the shit one day. You know what I'm saying? So I fly down there with Ludacris while I'm at the hotel and shit. Future called me and Future like, hey, bro, Kanye wants you to come to New York. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, for real? He was like, he was like, yeah. He was like, man, I was playing him some songs and he was like, man, Hey, what does it mean every time I hear a song and it say Mike Will made it? And if you should like, that's my brother, you know what I'm saying? And then he was like, he was like, oh yeah. And then he was like, man, I'm trying to link with him. I'm trying to get him in here, trying to get him to the studio. And then, so Future called me. So they were trying to fly me out the next day. So I flew back with Ludacris that night. Boom, we went to the club, went to my, went to the crib with my mom. I was like, man, I gotta go to New York, mess with Kanye. Boom, pack my bags. I was supposed to go up there for two days, ended up being up there for two months. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but but it was crazy because it was like, um, with that song right there, I went up there and I, and Kanye had this art museum rented out. And he Wait, was, he was let, let, me, let me interrupt you for a second, man. This is Kanye. Yeah. And you've been with some greats, but were you a little bit intimidated? Because this is Kanye. Man, I ain't going to lie. Kanye was like, that was like one of, that was still is one of my favorite producers, you know what I'm saying? So I, I got a number of respect for him and his, his work and everything. So like, I was kind of thrown off, like, man, what, what does he want me to come up here and do? You know what I'm saying? Cause it's like, man, like, he already, like, he you didn't have the beat done already or you created that? Up? Nah, it was like, man, he already the shit, like, Kanye already the shit, so. I tell my boy P, I'm like, bro, just come with me, bro. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, it's only gonna be two days, but just, P, just to be comfortable, right? Yeah, but my boy P, he married, he got a little girl, so he like, man, bro, I'm, I'm gonna just stay here, bro. Just go out there, don't even think, bro. Just go in, just make them quick beats that you be making, them five, ten minute beats. I'm like, bro, just come with me, bro. You know what I'm saying? Boom, we go out there. So Kanye got this art museum rented out. 
So we walk in. So I'm sitting in the lobby. I'm like, I'm like, man, I wonder if this dude gonna be on some Hollywood shit. Is he gonna be on some cool shit? I'm just just going in my head because in Atlanta, you know what I'm saying? Like they fucking with me. But I'm up here in New York with Kanye, so he got every right to be like, okay, which one is this? Which one is this kid again? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what I'm saying? So I'm thinking it's gonna be something like that. So I'm waiting. So I walk in and I sit down, and then he's like, man, yo, there's a time in music where a producer comes through with a certain kind of sound with big drums and his drums sound like nothing and all they need is the right vocal or the right artist or the right concept on their tracks to cut through and right now you're that guy i'm looking at him i'm like oh shit you know what i'm saying and then i was like i'm like man appreciate that shit bro i appreciate that so i'm just seeing how it's going did you believe him I mean, at this time, it's, st- it's still ignorance. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just like, man, like in my mind, I'm confident. I'm like, man, okay, I'm going to be the shit one day. You know what I'm saying? But when you hear Kanye just say it out of his mouth and just give it up like that, then it's like, damn, like this shit's starting to get real. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm on his radar and he just called it like that. So then I'm just listening to everything he's saying. So he played me mercy. They already did it. You know what I'm saying? But it ain't, but he played it with no drums. You know what I'm saying? And he was like, um, Man, I need I need you to make this shit banging for the club. I mean, I need you to make it for banging for the club. But me in my head, I'm thinking like I'm gonna do this for him. But I'm trying to goddamn get him on some of our shit. Like this might well make the eardrum and shit. Like you know what I'm saying? Like I know we could do some crazy shit. So I pull up some beats, and then off the rip, he just goes straight in and he just freestyling on the beats, going crazy. And he, he recorded like a couple hard songs, a couple hard ideas. You know what I'm saying? And then he gave me a sample, a Michael Jackson sample. And, and like, um, he gave me like the whole Pro Tools session. And me and my boy Pete stayed up for like, man, 18 hours straight. You know what I'm saying? Just working on this sample. Like, and killed that shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, all the way killed that shit. You know what I'm saying? And then I, I play, I played it for Kanye the next day. And then Kanye was going crazy. Cause, and, and me and my boy Pete, we both Aries. So we like bumping heads. So we ended up making like four beats in the one because I wanted to, I wanted the sample to go this way. He wanted it to go this way. Then I wanted to go this way. Then he wanted to go this way. Then we just combined it, that shit. And then this shit just sounded like crazy as fuck. You know what I'm saying? So Kanye, he never ended up putting that out, but you know what I'm saying? Like he loved the sample. And then he was like, man, did you ever do the drums on Mercy? So I'm like, man, let me just do this right quick. You know what I'm saying? So I just boom threw the drums on there, and then that's how the mercy that's how the mercy song came about, and it, and that came out. Then he did the same thing with the I don't like remix. Yeah. Like he gave me the I don't like remix, and um, told me to put some drums on that. Boom, put the drums on that, and then at that point, like I was supposed to be up there for two days. Like I said, I ended up being up there for two months. Me and Kanye just riding in the back of the Maybach, moving through New York City. He chopping it up with me. And it, it was just, it was like a surreal moment, you know what I'm saying? Like, he was just fucking with me, giving me a whole bunch of game. I'm seeing how he, how he worked with his team and how he worked with different producers and how he's putting these records together. It was like a learning experience, man. And then that's when I met Mike Dean, Jeff Basker, Big Sean, you know what I'm saying? A bunch of different people, man. Yo, how did 2 Chains end up on that record? He was good music. Good music, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so they was already, they already had that little thing going on. You know what I'm saying? And like it was like a good music fucking major collab, you know what I'm saying? And that that video, they had shot the video overseas. That video crazy. Shout out to my boy Nabil. He just shot the perfect pint video. But that's when I met him too. You know what I'm saying? Who you think dropped the hottest verse on that record? 
I don't know, bro. That's a, that's some yeah. You gotta ask them. That's that's some good music for two, real. You said two, two chains, right? Who else? Man, that, that I, my man. personal favorite on that because I wasn't fucking with him at the time, and this is the first record that really made him one of my favorite artists. Is two chains? Wow. Because the minute he said yeah, I was like, oh, that's yeah, for real. Fire! Nah, nah, hell yeah. <laughs> Oh, that man, that man, two chains was going. He he went fucking bananas on that two chains. Big Sean went crazy. Ye went crazy. You know what I'm saying? Did did they put a? Yeah, man. Nah, for real. They had a lot of verses on that yeah. shit. Or, Let's go to the next record, man. This is still 2012. Let's go to the next record, man. Turn it up, man. Yo, going through your discography in terms of your big records, even though you were saying Mike Will made it, was this the first big record that you had with the Mike Will made it signature on it? Uh, this was the first one getting the recognition. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I really, that track right there was supposed to be for Two Chains, True Religion, but he ended up, he ended up doing Got One, and then he had turned his project in, so I still had that beat, and I was like, he was telling me, like, man, bro, I'm working on my album. I said, look, bro, I got this beat. Like, man, this shit's so hard, but it, you got to be on it. Like, we held this beat for so long until he really said he was working on his album. Gave him that beat, and then he was like, yo, bro, man, I think I put the verses on here, but I think I'm going to have, like, Birdman talking on it, or I think I'm going to have, like, I was like, man, yeah, you should have, like, Puffy talking some crazy shit, or, like, somebody just talking some crazy shit, like an intro, ooh, ooh. Then you come back a couple of days, like, hey, bro, we got our first hit. Because me and 2 Chainz have already been working with each other since 2007 at this point. And talk about the chemistry you got working with him. That's my, that's my brother. That's like my, big, that's like my big brother. We got like a real brother relationship. We butt heads. You know what I'm saying? We argue with each other. And we get back cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a, it's a real brother relationship. So, I mean, like with Chains, you know what I'm saying? Um, shit. Like with this song right here. Like, like it was just like, man, I just knew that this beat was for him. I knew that he needed this. And I knew it was going to be a big look for him. And he just, out of nowhere, finally hit me and was like, man, bro, we finally got our first hit. I'm and like, what you talking about? He was like, man, on that, on that, on that beat. And he was like, bro, you got to hear it. I'm like, man, quit gassing that shit up. You, you didn't think it was going to be that big? No, I ain't, I ain't hear it at the time. Uh, he, he, was like, he was like, man, he was like, I'm telling you. I'm like, bro, quit gassing that shit up, bro. Quit gassing it up. He was like, man, Drake just got on it, bro. He just put a hook in the verse. I'm like, what? You know what I'm saying? So then I go on the road. I go on the road with Two Chains for like a couple of weeks, and then boom, we listen to it. Then he played it. I'm just like, man, what the fuck? He won't play it. He won't play it no more for like a couple of days. He was like, bro, I don't want this shit to get old. I ain't finna be in here playing that shit. I, ain't, I don't want this shit to get old, bro. I want this. You know what I'm saying? I want it to come out and be fresh. Then he'll play it one more time. But then, like I knew, like man, okay, boom, we gotta, we gotta. We got a banger. You know what I'm saying? Yo, everything, it's like when you make a record, man, it's like making like a, a recipe or like a, a, like it's like chemistry. It's like you putting in like it's different like chemicals and a whole nine. How did Drake change the dynamic of the record? Because it just, to me, it just took a record in a whole different direction. Yeah, it crossed it over. You know what I'm saying? For sure. Like, I feel like me and Two Chains, we had a lot of hard records, but you know what I'm saying? That record right there was all the way complete. You know what I'm saying? From the beat to Two Chains verse to, you know what I'm saying? The energy of the verses to the hook, you know what I'm saying? To 
the filter and the beat to like it was just a complete record you know what i'm saying from top to bottom and i feel like it was the most solid two chains record you know what i'm saying that could play anywhere and it gave and it gave two chains that 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 solid record like where it's like okay like like damn bro like you know what i'm saying that melodic hook like really helped like you know what i'm saying because two chains is a is a rapper mc at this point you know what i'm saying and still busting in and introducing himself to the world at this point so that just gave him that validation to where it was like whoever was sleeping on him woke up and was like yo this is my favorite song and then whoever like was like me that was that been saying that he was a shit was like nigga i told y'all <laughs> Fucking hype beast! I told y'all, man. You know what I'm saying? You told me for real. I was I was only bumping two chains in 2007. That's facts. You know what I'm saying? Trapper Valley, all that back then. You know what I'm saying? So I already knew two chains was the shit. That's part of the reason why I dropped out of school. Him and Future. You know what I'm saying? Because it was like, man, I already knew they were about to be the shit, and I was so locked in with them. And it was like, man, I'm not finna keep going to school. Like I gotta I gotta focus way, on the music. He's 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 downplaying his school. Experience. You dropped out of Georgia State with a 3.1 average. 3.1 average. That's crazy, man. Yeah, yeah, man. Pops one playing. And, then, <laughs> for real, he was just, and at the end of the day, my sisters, like, they both graduated college. You know what I'm saying? And they both had good grades. So I didn't want to be the only dumb one. You know what I'm saying? Worse. So I was, my sister was like my, she was really my teacher. I, I would go to school. Yeah, I dropped out of school with, with a 3.1. I want to finish, though. I learned a lot. Now that's, that'll be dope, man. Um, so you're working with all of these artists that are already kind of establishing themselves, these new artists, and then, then you go back and you kind of resurrect this artist's career. Go ahead. Make it heavy, man. First and foremost, man, Juicy J gotta be the most vampire rapper, cause that brother will not, his career will not die, man. Like, how was that, man, going to somebody who was a southern legend, you know, at least half a generation before your era, and how did it feel going back to somebody like him and being so instrumental in making sure you brought his career back? I mean, it was like a dream come true, cause I, man, I grew up bumping like 3-6 Mafia, like, and the whole hypnotized camp, like, and Juicy J was one of my favorite producers. DJ Paul was one of my favorite producers. Mm. So, like, like growing up, that's all we were bumping from, like, tear the club up to all that, you know what I'm saying? Like, when I was seeing them at Birthday Bash, at the Lakewood, all that, you know what I'm saying? So, to be able to work with Juicy J, once we, once we got on the line, it was like, man, me and Juicy J just clicked. And we both Aries, too, you know what I'm saying? So, we just clicked, and then... Like I, I, I sent him a couple beats, and then he sent me. He said, I told him I was working on a mixtape. He sent me a song for my mixtape, and then um, then he sent me back. Bands, he, he he hit me and was like, "Yo, I just did this song so hard, man, in my homegirl's kitchen." I said, "What?" He said, "Man, I just did a song so hard in my homegirl's kitchen." I said, "Hey, no disrespect, um, but I'm trying to take this shit to the next level, man. Like, you about to take it out you know the kitchen? Saying? Like, yeah, you can't." You can't just put, you can't do no song in no kitchen, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? Cause at like, this time I'm still learning the whole process. He was like, man, just check it out right quick. I'm about to send it to you. Man, I listened to it. I'm like, yo, what the fuck? I said, bro, I got some more beats, bro. Go back to that kitchen, bro. <laughs> For real. You know what I'm saying? And, and it was bands to make her dance. You know what I'm saying? But 
um, at that time, it was like, it was it was a lot of twerking songs before that, you know what I'm saying? And at that point, but it wasn't no twerking song like that. And as soon as I heard it, I, that was my first time ever in L.A. And I told myself, I'm like, man, I'm going back to Atlanta. I'm going to every strip club. And we're playing this shit, and this shit is about to break. Like, you know what I'm saying? This is about to be the song. So I'm calling all the people at the radio. I'm calling all the DJs, like, bro, I got a hit with Juicy J. They're like, man, Juicy J don't really work at radio, man. Oh. He, do- he doesn't really work at radio. I'm like, man, no, I got a hit with Juicy J. Like, man, no, I mean, Juicy J doesn't have any solo success as an artist. Like, I'm like telling you, I'm telling dead. you. Yeah, they, they were saying he don't work at radio. I'm like, bro, this fucking Juicy J, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? To me, it's like, man, That's are you fu- yeah, are you fucking serious, bro? This is Juicy J. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, man, what you like, what you mean though, bro? Like, can you at least listen to the song? I'm telling you, he don't work at radio. All right, bet. I'm gonna sing you this song anyway. I'm blowing their phone up. Hey, bro, did you check it out? Yeah, it's cool. I tried out at a couple spots. I tried out at a couple spots. They was lying. Yeah, they were lying. Another another DJ told me, yeah, I tried it. It just don't move the club like that. But you a hater, bro. You know what I'm saying? So I just started linking up with all the young all the young DJs that's around my age and just pulling up on them. And they just playing anything I'm giving them anyway. So the, the song started catching buzz. And even Juicy J's label wasn't even wasn't even like knowing that it was his song and then like once it hit like 42 on the charts that's when everybody was like oh you know what I'm saying like his label was even like yo he's trying to us. always love yeah, Juicy, yeah, J. Juicy J Juicy J you know what I'm saying but to me it was like man this is a wave that I always wanted to it's a wave I always wanted to do I always wanted to work with either Juicy J Player Fly Project Pat DJ Paul, you know what I'm saying, uh, Crunchy Black, Lord Infamous, any of them, you know what I'm saying, the, the whole hypnotized camp, I was a fan of them growing up, so if I could work with any of them, you know what I'm saying, and I, I was able to lock in with Juicy, and from there, it was just like a wave, you know what I'm saying? We, we still in 2012. Oh yeah, 2012. We're only in 2012, still in 2012, you're doing all of these records, you're killing the clubs, you're, you're killing the strip clubs, you're killing the radio. You got your hand on, you got your hand and you got the, the rap game in the chokehold, right? Choked out. You, is, you, you starting to recognize that? Like people starting <laughs> to recognize this? But you yeah. got you got the game in the chokehold. You got the rap game in the chokehold. And then you got the fucking nerve to do this. First of all, I got to ask you, did you meet Rihanna when you was doing this? Man, when I was doing this, I had met her, but I ain't meet her in the studio. I wasn't in the studio with her yet. How she smell? Mm. <laughs> uh, <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like eucalyptic mint oh. mixed with <laughs> cucumber and <laughs> cucumber melon, you know what I'm saying? Mixed with a little bit of kush. <laughs> How did you get the call? that Rihanna wanted to work with you? And what were they looking for? Um, at this time, it was crazy. At pouring up time, uh, it was really like the confidence of me walking in the, in the buildings like, yo, man, I'm ready to work with everybody, man. Put me in the studio with any any pop artist, any rapper, anybody. Like, you know what I'm saying? I need to get in the studio with pop artists. So it was a lady named Karen Kwok, and she was, work- and she was working at um, Def Jam at the time, and she just fought with me. And um, 
I was like, I was walking in her in her office playing her like bangers, like you know what I'm saying. Like I played a bitches love me with Drake and Future on the hook with open verses. You know what I'm saying. I was just playing her like you know what I'm saying all kind of different stuff, and I was like, man. She told me she was working on Rihanna album. She was like, I think it was like her last album or something like that. And I was like, yo, I have to get on this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm telling you, I know that me and Rihanna could do something crazy. Like, I know we could do something hard, like, like some game changing. And at first, the song We Can't Stop, you know what I'm saying? Like, that, that was an idea. Like, I was like, man, yo, if Rihanna do this, man, it's going to be so big, like, it's gonna be big, like if Rihanna do it, you know what I'm saying? And, she, and Karen, she was trying to like get it to her, but I don't think Rihanna connected with that one. You know what I'm saying? That me and Future did a couple couple songs, and I locked in with Rock City, and and Bands Make a Dance was like on on super fire. So everybody was like, man, man, if if she had a, like a female band to make a dance, mm. well, I'm telling you, man, like she need a female band to make a dance. So I just locked in with Rock City, cause Rock City so ill with that pen. Locked in with them, pulled up that beat. You know what I'm saying? We put the song together. You know what I'm saying? We chopped it up, and it just sounded—it just sounded like a a two-minute chant. You know what I'm saying? It was just like, man, this is hard. And then Chris Brown heard it. He had came to the studio and he had heard it. And he was like, he was just listening to the different songs I had for her. And then he heard that and he started dancing. He was like, bro, if she don't use this as her single, this is my single, bro. Ooh, that would have like, bro, that would have been that, he was that would have like, been drama, yo. <laughs> he was like, man, I'm telling you, I'm about to take it to her right now. And I'm finna, I'm finna tell her, like, yo, Mike Will got a record for you. I really want her to use it. But if she don't get it, bro, I need this for my single. I said, bro, you got it. And he went and told her. And sure enough, she called and she was like, yo, Mike Will has a record for me. You know what I'm saying? And boom, she heard the song and she loved it. And it was like one of the last songs that she cut. And then we mixed it, got the mixes all right, put it out. And then people were loving it. And it just organically just took off. And that wasn't even like a focus single for the label or anything it was just like the people's you know what i'm saying like the people's choice and shit like that's the that's the kind of records i like to do like cult classics you know what i'm saying and i think also with rihanna i mean her career was going one way and she still would have been on top but you really took her in such a different direction man and i don't think a lot of people like, really credit you for that man yeah i feel like um i feel like it took her into like her own skin like that her, defined her. That, that defined, defined her. her. Yeah, it was like it was like it was like a comfortable moment. I feel like that was a record that she was always looking for, that she always wanted to do, even though she had so many incredible songs. You know what I'm saying? I just felt like that was the first song that, you know what I'm saying, was like a was a was like a club and like a strip club, you know what I'm saying, banger. But she like she you know what I'm saying? Like I felt like she was getting so many like big pop records and like big dance records and that was like the sound that was driving it at the time to the point where like our sound started coming through and was so like new and like in the cool space and you know what I'm saying the kids were fucking with it to the point where it's like yo I like this shit when I come on in the club like what is this shit I want a record like this and then it's like that was a record where it's, a, it's just a bossed up record it's just a bossed up chick record like all the chicks feel like bosses you feel me I would even say without that record we wouldn't have anti you know what I'm saying? Cause, cause, cause you can hear the influence of this record on Anti, cause she's all the way bossed up on, on Anti. Yeah, I think she been bossed up. I think it's like, um, that made producers, that made her team, that made everybody, you know what I'm saying? That was just getting Rihanna the records like, oh, she can do this. Like it opened up a new door. You know what I'm saying? So it was just like, oh, I want to do something like pour it up or I want to do something different. I want to do something different with her that was, like like how poor like how different poor it up was at the moment, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like 
it made people start rolling the dice. It, it took it, you know what I'm saying? It took it took the the dance, just the straight pop dance element, Rihanna. You know what I'm saying? Word. So you do this record, and then once again, you got the nerve to switch it up. It's still 2012. Still 2012. And you got the nerve to switch it up and do this record. So what's going on with your formula right now? Like you, like you still trying to define your sound at this point? I mean, this was uh, a big record for B.O.B. You got Juicy J on the record again. Are you still working on your formula or did you figure it out? It still wasn't figured out, figured out. It was like the sound was figured out, but it was like, man, we, we set, we're setting a bar with all these records, you know what I'm saying? So we got to keep, we got to keep meeting that because we got to like bust in, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, we can't get comfortable now. It's like, man, bro, you got that, bro, you got all the hits, bro, you, man, but you made it, bro. Nah, but bro. how do you not get comfortable? This is one year and you dropping hit after hit after hit. Not only are they sounding great on the radio, they're killing the clubs, but these records are going platinum. How yeah. are you not getting comfortable? Nah. <laughs> nah, man, we're still negotiating deals. You know what I'm saying? We're still trying to figure everything out. Like, you know what I'm saying? We're still negotiating deals. We're still, uh, I was doing a lot of conversing with Jimmy Iovine around this time. You know what I'm saying? Jimmy Iovine used to always sit me down and be like, hey, man, hey, don't get comfortable, man. Like, man, the same thing that got you your first check is going to get you your next check. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of times what people do, they 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 use their talent, they get in here, then they want to fucking go to all the parties and get drunk and Don't go and to the studio going. no more. Yeah, don't go to the studio no more. I want to, want, to, want to chase girls, want to do all this kind of stuff. And... And next thing you know, you know what I'm saying? They can't even write a check. You know what I'm saying? Like, they can't write a real check. Like, they can't, they can't do this. They can't, like, you know what I'm saying? You got to build your business. You got to keep going. And da, da 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 And he would always have those kind of talks with me, like, um, thinking about as far as, like, building my company and building my production team and building everything. And I'm just seeing, I'm seeing him. And I'm seeing how he living, like how we were talking before, and you were like, man, like what what showed you that you, you know what I'm saying? What's the next like, level? Yeah, what's the next level? And I'm seeing Jimmy Iovine, and he's like the definition of the next level. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I'm I'm sitting here chopping it up with him, and then Dr. Dre right here, I'm chopping it up with how him. How was that? I mean, he's one of your, he's one of he's my favorite producer of all time. Yeah, definitely. And That's then one he's of my sitting in the room with you, like how was that conversation, man? I mean, we talking about going from Kanye to Jimmy Iovine and, and Dr. Dre. Yeah, like, it was crazy because Jimmy Iovine's nephew is my manager. You know what I'm saying? So I used to spend a lot of time with Jimmy Iovine, and I, well, I still spend time with him and spend a lot of time over his house. And you know what I'm saying? Like, Dre would spend a lot of time over his house. So it's like, you know what I'm saying? Us having them conversations is just, it's all the way humbling. It's like, man, bro, you got so much further to go. I can go back to Atlanta and everybody like, bro, you the shit, bro. But you got the new form, man, hey, bro, look at them new shoes and all that. But it's like... Man, okay, cool. Man, appreciate that. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, man, going out here is like, it's too humbling. It's like, man. You ain't shit. 
Yeah. You ain't I mean, shit. No, I was the shit. No, but I'm the... saying when you but I'm, <laughs> but I'm saying when you when you're in presence of people like that, like Dr. Dre no, has been producing smash hits it's since 1988, 1987. And then lost his catalog a couple times and then came back and still on top. It's just like and then uh, Jimmy Iovine started off as an engineer, then uh, then started producing for Tom Petty, then was running Interscope Records and then signed all these different artists and then you know what I'm saying owns American Idol, Beats headphones, and now I'm seeing what they're doing with Beats. It's all the way humbling. They're they doing Apple Music right here in front of my eyes before it even hit the world. You know what I'm saying? They're showing me Apple Music, how it's going to work, all this different kind of stuff before it even even hit the world. Man, really it was called Beats Music at the time. You know what I'm saying? Then they put it out. The Jimmy, you know what I'm saying, was cool with the people at Apple, then boom, you know what I'm saying? Ended up going over there with Apple, doing a deal with Apple and, and everything like that. But it's like to see all that come out, come to life, and then Apple Music be how we listen to music today, it's all the way humbling. It's like, man, okay, cool, you're producing, producing songs, you know what I'm saying? Where, where, where your artists at? You know what I'm saying? Where, where, what albums you going to produce? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what, what, you, what you going to bring to the game that's different? Like, and that's what I'm always constantly thinking. So, like like you were talking about formula, like I kind of had my formula as far as like creating songs and like producing records, but it was like, man, what's next? Like, you know what I'm saying? How do I keep evolving? And then you got the nerve. It's still 2012. We got two more records for 2012. I swear we'll get to 2017. I swear your catalog is so <laughs> goddamn immense. This next record you dropped, man. You make Ace Hood a household name. I'm saying, like, like, how, what's the difference between working with like all these established artists and then artists that might not be established throughout the regions, man? How, what, what's the what's the difference in mentality with working somebody like an Ace Hood or like you know what I'm saying from Rihanna? To Ace Hood, is there a difference in the formula? Uh, yeah, that was that was a different. I mean, it's definitely a different formula. But with me, I always look at it like um, rolling the dice. You know what I'm saying? So it's like um, with Future. Then nobody know Future when I started working with him. But I knew like, man, okay, man, he got the opportunity to be the greatest thing since sliced cheese. Like, man, he going crazy. Like, you know what I'm saying? And two trains. It's like, man. Yo, he hard as fuck. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to lock in with him. And then Gucci, man, he was an underdog, you know what I'm saying, at the time. And then, you know what I'm saying, uh, when I met him, and then we started working and then ended up becoming a leader, you know what I'm saying? And then um, and, 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 all the, and all the things that he put in. And then, like, um, Juicy J, it was like, man, boom, he was, you know what I'm saying, he was a legend already, you know what I'm saying? And then, like, he just didn't have a solo solo banger. And then to be able to create that with him, it was like, okay, this is dope. You know what I'm saying? Just going against the grain. I was always with going against the grain. Like, Rihanna, okay, we're going to do a record like this since all her records sound like that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Um, B.O.B., T.I., and 2 Chains. That's just, that's just like an ill collaboration. I, at, this, at this moment, my formula was what would entertain me if I was 15 years old, if I was 17 years old? What, what would make me click? What would make me listen? And then when I do click and I do listen, what's going to make me be like, yo, bro, did you hear that one shit? 
Like, you know what I'm saying? It got to be a song like that. That's like, man, bruh, man, you got to hear this one shit that just dropped. Like, if it's not, if it's not exciting like that, keep it. You know what I'm saying? And that's how I feel, like, no matter if I'm working with a Ace Hood or a Rihanna or anything. So, like, with Bugatti, how this came about, Khaled called me, and um, he was like, Mike, I'm about to go to the studio with Future. I just need one of them just... Club bangers, bro. I need to do some big shit with Future, bro. You know, you and Future got the, you and Future got the wave, bro. Like, I, I need some of that shit, bro. I'm like, all right, send them more. I got some. Send them that beat. I sent him that beat and I sent him bitches and bottles that he put on his album. And then, um, Future did the Bugatti hook. Gotti called, I mean, um, Khaled called me and was like, man, bro, listen, we got one. You know how Cali know how to, yeah. You know how he Cali, say that. <laughs> well, he probably did, bro. He he gave me the whole prep and everything, and I was just like, man, for real. I'm like, man, don't gas me up. And I, I I went I went to Florida, and he played it in the studio. He was just he was doing this little dance. He was standing up doing this dance, and I was just like, man, yo, this, this song is out of here. And I was excited about it, and it came out and exploded. But it was another it was another one where it was like, man, Ace Hood, Rick Ross, Future. Man, how is this going to sound? Click on it. Yo, what the fuck? Like, you know what I'm saying? So Skip the next record. Skip the next one. Let's jump into 2013, man. You worked with everybody. You worked with all these artists that are signed. In 2013, you was like, fuck it. I want to introduce my artists to the world. And you come out with this. No flex. So. No flex. So. What made you decide to sign your own artist, man? Well, uh, man, it was really those conversations I was having with Jimmy Iovine in 2012. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he always was telling me, like, I really, all those conversations were flying over my head. You know what I'm saying? He was just always telling me, like, uh, man, you need to sign your own artist. You need to put your music out through your own label. I'm going to give you a label deal and da-da-da-da. And you always say that you want a label deal when you're coming up in the music, in the music business because it just sounds cool. But... <clears throat> when you actually have the opportunity right there in front of you and right there in your lap, you know what I'm saying? Then it's kind of like, uh, I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I want to do this label deal right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so, um, the next thing you know, you know what I'm saying? I end up, I end up like, like, um, entertaining the option of having a label deal and, and doing a label deal and, um, Ray Shremer, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was crazy because the word, the name Ray Shrimmer, I came up with like in 2011. You know what I'm saying? And I had I had ear drummers, and I was like, man, what would? Because I wanted to do a rock band, and then I was like, what would what would ear drummers be backwards? And I wrote it down, and I was like, Ray Shrimmer. You, you know, and you confuse a lot of people, right? No, that's what that's like what a lot of people didn't know how to print. I, it took me like a year. Yeah. No, that that was the that was the whole point. It was just like, man, okay, Ray Shrimmer. What is a Ray Shrimmer? Is that a group? Is that one person? Is that somebody first name, last name? Like, what is that? You know what I'm saying? So when I met Jimmy and Lee, um, they had a group and they were called Sway, and they were already working with my boy PMRs. So <coughs> at the time, I had already found um, McConan. I had um, Ray Shrimmer. Like McConan was. Like 400, 400 views on YouTube, you know what I'm saying? So we had Ray Shrimmer, we had McConan, we had my boy F1 Cho, who was all just going in in the studio, you know what I'm saying? And um, 
like Ray Streamer will be recording over here, McConaughey will be recording over here, F1 Joe recording over here, like Eardrummer Productions like this. We are working out of the basements and different stuff like that. McConaughey records Tuesday. Uh, Ray Streamer records um, No Flex, No Type, you know what I'm saying? Throw some more, you know what I'm saying? Like all these songs. And it's just like, man, all right, we got it. All right, we ready. We ready to do this label deal now. Boom. When to sign the label deal, at, right when we sign the label deal, Jimmy does his Jimmy does his deal with um, Apple. You know what I'm saying with, with Apple Music. So what we've been talking about for these two three years is kind of like, damn. Like I can't be like, man, you gotta stay here. Shit, you gotta go to Apple. You know what I'm saying? You gotta go handle your business. I'm gonna hold it down, but just always be my mentor. You know what I'm saying? I need your help. All right, bet. Boom. He go to Apple. You know what I'm saying? He goes to Apple, then I'm, I'm right here at Interscope, just fresh deal. But I'm talking to Jimmy Iovine about signing 2-9, F1 Joe, McConan, and Ray Shrimmer. That looks like nine people at the time. You know what I'm saying? So, because it's Shrim, McConan, 2-9 is five people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, then, and then F1 Joe. So that looks like nine people. So, boom. Um, these are new partners. So they're, they're, they're asking me, they're like, man, yo, you want to sign this many people? Like, 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 like you can't just sign all your homeboys. This is like a new beginning. Like, let's let's get something started first. You know what I'm saying? I was like, all right, cool. So let's go with shrimp. You know what I'm saying? We start pushing shrimp first. At this time, you know what I'm saying? Like everybody on the team is just antsy. You know what I'm saying? But we put out McConus. We put out McConus project, and then you know what I'm saying? We're working his project. He's getting into different magazines. He's doing different interviews, and Drake hops on the song. And then, you know what I'm saying, that opportunity presents itself. He's already signed with us, like, you know what I'm saying, publishing, you know what I'm saying, because that's the only venture I had when I found him, you know what I'm saying. But um, at this time, he, he couldn't really move around, you know what I'm saying, like, because he, he had probation at the time. So he couldn't really, like, fly to L.A. and, you know what I'm saying, meet with the labels and different stuff like that. So we didn't get a chance to sign McConan. McConan ended up signing to Drake, but we put out Ray Shrimmer. But Ray Shrimmer goes, you know what I'm saying, goes through the roof. They get no flex on, no tight. At this time, Tuesday starts climbing the charts. So it's like no no tight and Tuesday, you know what I'm saying? No type is number one, Tuesday is number two. Then Tuesday goes number one and, and, and no type goes number two. So then that just really solidified like, oh, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to be a CEO. I'm ready, You're ready, I'm ready to, to start have, developing your own artist. Yeah, I'm ready to put out my own artist. You know what I'm saying? It's official now. You know what I'm saying? Yo, skip the next record. Skip it. Let's go to 2015. Now, you did everything. You did Miley. You did Rihanna. You did everybody. But you didn't do everybody until you did this record. Hey. Hey. How? I, I, one one word, how? Man, on the road to Coachella, listening to beats with Shrimp, we all in there freestyling in the car. This beat plays, you know what I'm saying? We just freestyling back and forth. Sway Lee says, okay, something, now let's get information. I turn on the voice notes. Boom, I'm like, man, yo. But if I tell Sway Lee or if I tell Jimmy, hey, can you write a song for Beyonce? It's going to throw him off. So I, in my in my mind, I'm knowing that we're putting together a song for Beyonce. They don't even know what we're doing. I'm like, bro, it should be like a woman empowerment song. Like, if we get this to a so girl, you tricked them. 
No, 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 not tricking, producing. You know what I'm saying? Word. 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 So I'm like, I'm like, man, hey, if we do a woman empowerment song right now, would that get information? That'd be hard, because it'd be like, man, get information, like, get information about the dude that you messing with, or get in line, or like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it could be like, like stuff like that, and they're like, oh yeah, that's fresh. So they, they freestyling. The next thing you know, we get back from Coachella, I'm like, yo, we do drinks on us. I'm like, yo, you remember that one song that, that, that you were doing in the car? And then, and then Sway was like, what you talking about? I'm like, that formation. And I turn it on, and it's a vo- vocal note. So him and Jimmy hearing it, so they both go in on the beat, rapping on the microphone, go in on that shit. And then um, Sway had the, okay, ladies, now let's get the information part. And then Jimmy had the, if she fucked me good, I'll take her ass a red. No, no, he said, he said, if she fucked me good, I'll take her ass a Margiela. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, Beyonce just heard, Beyonce was like, yo, I just want you to send me raw ideas, just raw ideas. Like, if you have writers go in, tell them don't write a song for me. Just just send, like, just raw ideas, and I'll just vibe off of it. So I sent her, like, four four different ideas. Next thing you know, I run into her in L.A. after after a basketball game. It's her hove and uh, LeBron. You know what I'm saying? We all just sitting down. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> At this point, are you no longer starstruck? No, 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 no. You don't look this up to the babe, star. This is hove. This yeah. is LeBron. Yeah. No, for real. It was, <clears throat> it was like... <laughs> It was crazy because I, I had just went to the Clipper game, but you know I did the commercial with LeBron, the um, the training day commercial yeah. when he was on the bike and the whole and the whole crowd was like following him, like when he was playing on the Heat. It was like a Nike commercial, but so that was the relationship with Le, with LeBron. So I had went to the basketball game and Rich had told me his his manager was like, "Man, yo, link up with us. We staying over here." I'm like, "Man, I'm staying over there too." So they're like, "Man, link up." You know what I'm saying? I was like, "All right, bet. Come when you get to the hotel." I had a couple of drinks. I passed out, went to sleep, woke up, had, had some missed calls, you know what I'm saying? It was from Rich, go downstairs. So we downstairs just playing music, you know what I'm saying? I got the arts court on my phone. They, everybody just passing the arts court around. Jay-Z and Beyonce just walk up. It's like three or four in the morning, you know what I'm saying? They just walk up out I, of nowhere. I, I asked you this question earlier, no disrespect to Mr. Carter, but how she smell? No, I kept my distance, man. <laughs> kept my distance. I just stayed back, man, for real. Word. But um, yeah, man. We, so they they walk up out of nowhere, and then when they when they walk up, like they sit down. We still having chopping it up about music and different stuff like that. And then um, Beyonce was like, "Yo, I like one of the ideas a lot that you sent me." And I was like, "Which one?" And then she was like, "Formation." I was like, "Man, hell yeah!" I was like, "Man, look, this is what we were thinking about with formation. We were thinking about like a woman empowerment song, and and it's just like um." Man, just get in line, just get information about the dudes, da 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 da. And she was like, yeah, oh, okay, okay, that's cool, you know what I'm saying? But she took that and made it a culture empowerment song. Black Lives Matter, yeah, Super Bowl, black, everything. Yeah, way bigger than what I was thinking, but you know what I'm saying? Like she, she, she made it a, a, a black, a black empowerment song, then she performed it at the Super Bowl, then she killed that, then the video was crazy. And like she called me right before the, right before she shot the video. And that's when she like let me know that they were gonna perform at the Super Bowl, and it was like her and like thirty dancers, and they were doing the dances that were gonna be in the video in the Super Bowl, and I was like, yo, what the fuck? And at, at this at this time, it was two weeks away from the Super Bowl, so I was like, you about to shoot the video, put it out, and perform at the Super Bowl in two weeks? Yeah, we finna shoot the video on Tuesday, and the and the, and it's gonna come out on this day. I'm like, I'm like, all right, we're gonna see what's going on. Man, she shot it, put the put the video out. Performed at the Super Bowl the next day, 
everybody's just talking about formation. It just breaks everything. And it was just like, man, what the fuck? That's major. Yo, we producing. They, 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 they telling us we got five minutes. I got to skip this next record. But the next record I was going to play was um, Black Beatles. Mannequin Challenge. Oh, you can't did, skip did, that. Did, did, you, did you do that? Huh? You can't skip the I mean, we Black got, Beatles. We man. got five minutes. All right. Wait, salute, can we get, can we get eight minutes? Beatles. Can we get eight minutes, yo? Let's play Mannequin, man. I mean, let's, let's play uh, Black Beatles, man. We can skip it. We can skip it. We can skip it. I made this beat in 10 minutes. Shout out to Sway Lee. Shout out to Gucci. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, shout out to Sway. Shout out to Gucci. And shout out to Slim Jimmy. You know what I'm saying? I made this beat real quick. Boom. Sway sent the hook. I let Gucci hear it. Gucci was just getting out of jail. He hopped on it. Boom. Jimmy hopped on it. Last song we turned in for Shrimp Life 2. And it, it was it was my first number one Hot 100. Stayed up there for eight weeks. And shit, it was, it was, it was not a better song like to do with the with the with the people that you gave an opportunity to and with the person that gave you your first opportunity and have them do a collaboration and you just make the beat so organically and, and see it go to the top of the charts. Blessing. Yo, last two records, man. I think it's um very appropriate that we're doing this interview in LA because there's no records right now that's representing LA like these two records right now. Next one. You're now working with the current modern day God MC. How was that? Man, shout out to Kendrick, man. We've been working with each other since about 2012. We just never found that wave, you know what I'm saying? So we finally found that wave, and we and, and these songs were so organic. And we locked in. I gave him some beats. He was pulling up to the crib. I was pulling up with him. And like thousands of beats later, man, we come up with DNA. We come up with Humble. We come up with XXX on his album. And you know what I'm saying? And people fucking with it. And it, it was just, he almost gave me Humble for my mixtape. I mean, for, for Ransom 2 album. You know what I'm saying? But he ended up hopping on Perfect Pints. And <clears throat> salute to Kendrick. For real. These two records have a different type of tension than any of your other records is tense. Like, like, where's that coming from? Is it because you tailor-made these records for Kendrick? Man, I felt like it's just time to go. Like, when I was making these beats, it's just time to go reckless. It's just time to go um, raw. It's just trying, time to go back to the basement. I was trying to explain to Kanye, because Kanye was um, asking me, like, last year when I ran into him, he was like, man, where do you think music's going next? Where do you think the sound's going next? And I was like, man, I know this is going to sound dumb, but I feel like the sound for me is going backwards. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to go all the way back to like when I was in my mom's basement and them sounds that nobody was really hearing like that, like that the world didn't really get a chance to hear like that. But I'm going to bring that and bring like a new twist on it. But like simple, I was trying to break it down to him. He was just listening to me. But I don't know if he, he was following what I was saying or 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 if... Or if if he was just like, man, what the hell is this guy talking about? You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes it'll sound weird when you're trying to... Explain sit, a sound that ex- they can't hear. Explain a sound that you're trying to bring to life that nobody has heard yet. You know what I'm saying? So, But DNA, Humble, that's a representation of that. Like um, XXX, uh, Gucci on my... Uh, Black Beatles, you know what I'm saying? All that shit, like, you know what I'm saying? I feel like that's a good representation of, of that. So when you listen to your journey, and that's been an incredible journey, right? 
Can, can we give can we give Mike Will Appreciate a round that. of applause? Appreciate that. When you go from Tupac back to Humble and DNA, man, just give us in a few words, man, what that journey was like and where you're going next. Uh man, it's humbling. Stay humble. Uh stay focused. Keep your keep your head down. You can look up every now and then and see what's going on, but keep your head down, stay focused. You know what I'm saying? Um, don't get caught up in the numbers. Don't get caught up in the hype. Don't get caught up in nothing. Like, you know what I'm saying? You can't get caught up in a lot of that shit. Like, a, a lot of people, you know what I'm saying, they say that you're changing up. But if you, if you know that you're not changing up and you keeping your eye on the prize and you keeping your eye on your, on your vision, on your focus, on your dream or whatever you prayed for. And you know what I'm saying? And, and you just keeping it humble and you just, you know what I'm saying? Um, no point intended, but you know what I'm saying? You just stand humble and keeping it humble and just and just stand down and just stand prayed up. It's just like, man, it's limitless, you know what I'm saying? Like and where where I wanna go next is like, man, I wanna I wanna keep being creative, you know what I'm saying? I wanna keep uh innovating things, um, changing things, like, you know what I'm saying, changing the way people look look at different things because uh you gotta be creative, like for Louis Vuitton to make this phone case, like there's no other phone case like this, you know what I'm saying? Like for for like, we can't stop. It wasn't nothing else like that. 23, it wasn't nothing else like that. Bands make a dance, pour it up, you know what I'm saying? Humble DNA formation. I just, you know what I'm saying? It's all about just doing the different, you know what I'm saying? And taking the road, let's travel. You know what I'm saying? You can listen to the radio and be like, yo, I want to do a song with that person that's on the radio right now that has a song on a top 10, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you can chase that or you can just cook it up with this person right now and then y'all go to the top 10 and then, you know what I'm saying, you're able to work with anybody and, you know what I'm saying, then y'all create the wave in the most organic way. And, I mean, there's it, plenty of things I could, I could say, but, you know what I'm saying, the most most important thing, because I know we're running out of time, is just staying humble, staying prayed up, staying focused, and keeping your drive going, and and not changing up your plan. You know what I'm saying? Just because just because you get some kind of success or some kind of money along the way, you know what I'm saying? That don't mean change your plan up. That means, okay, my plan is working. Now I gotta go hard. Now I gotta stay focused. Now I gotta create opportunities for others. You know what I'm saying? It's not all about you. You know what I'm saying? And a mastermind is a collective of minds. So if you're a producer. You know what I'm saying? Get you a production team, get you or a couple of producers that you can go in with and, you know what I'm saying, create a whole new sound for music, period. You know what I'm saying? And find you an artist that you can lock in with that is not scared to be different and that's not trying to sound like the next person or whatnot. You know what I'm saying? And if you're an artist, you know what I'm saying? If you see a producer right there, man, believe in them. Shit, Future believed in me. Two Chains believed in me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Gucci, Gucci. believed, yeah, Gucci believed in me. Walker. You know what I'm saying? Shit, Walker Flocker, that's my real brother. You know what I'm saying? That's who connected me back with Gucci. You know what I'm saying? So, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, believe, like, it's all about staying creative and, you know what I'm saying? All about, and, and one thing about creativity is all about, um, you know what I'm saying? Going, going with, with what you feel, with what you feel is dope and bringing it to the table. And some people are going to respond to it, some people are not. You know what I'm saying? Like, some of my favorite records never hit the charts. You know what I'm saying? But, a lot of a lot of songs did hit the charts that I love. You know what I'm saying? So it's like some people, some songs a million people are gonna connect with. Some songs a thousand people might connect with. Just make sure it's classic. Make sure it's original, and then you good. That's the blueprint. My very last question: I ask everybody this that I interview, your top five MCs in no particular order. Go. Whew. Man, fuck. 
Yeah, they all say that. They all say that. Yeah. Man, Kendrick. Mm. Kendrick Nas. Mm. Uh, three Stacks. That's mm. uh, 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 three. Jay-Z, Biggie, Tupac. Okay, okay. Yo, listen, man. Future. This this has been a great opportunity, man. Um, continued success, man. You're very inspiring. I hope everybody here has been inspired, man. Round of applause. My bad, my bad, my bad. Will. I got I gotta I gotta and not even on no political reasons, man. I I still gotta like those those are like the MCs I grew up listening to, but I gotta mention Ray Shrimmer, Trouble Ears, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause those are like the MCs I'm, that I'm riding around listening to, get me through my days, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to Big Trouble. He about to drop, me and him about to drop a project. We got a joint project on the way. Trouble, you know what I'm saying? From Atlanta. The project's called Edgewood. It's about to change the game. The hip hop game, hip hop heads, you. and everything. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna you. love it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I so, believe you. Salute the trouble. Shrimp life. Game changing period, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and ears. They sleeping on them. Go look them up. E E A R Z. He got new shit on the way too. Word. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Will. Lord. I want I want I want I want y'all to also give a round of applause to DJ Head, who definitely added the sound. Um, I want to thank our sponsor, Acid. And most importantly, man, y'all got to give a round of applause to yourselves. Y'all sat here for like two hours, and y'all were like the best audience. I thank y'all, and I appreciate y'all. My bad for the long, drawn-out story. Oh, oh, the venue also, man. Let's give a round of applause to Bar 9. We in a coffee shop, y'all. We in a coffee shop. And I want to close with this because I always close with this, and I really mean this sincerely from my heart, that all of us got to dream those dreams, and then we got to man up and woman up. And live those dreams because what without what was it? Without dreams, life is black and white, and the universe flows in technicolor and surround sound. Bless yo, up everybody with bars. Thank you so yo, much. Man, my bad, bro. You saying you saying that? Huh? You saying that right there? Yeah. Like, man, at the end of at the end of 2016, man, I had this right before I went in and started making like DNA. Humble and all that different kind. And Black Beatles, right before Black Beatles, I had to sit down with Oprah. You know what I'm saying? We were talking for like two hours. No, no, no. We were talking for like two hours, man. Real talk. And, and Oprah told me, like, man, you got to wake up every day and be as creative as possible and chase your dreams and, and, and don't let anybody stop you or anybody like throw off your creativity because God put you here to be like as creative as possible. She gave, she said a lot because we were talking for two hours, but that's what I got from it. Be as creative as possible. Live, live life to the highest, fullest expression. You know what I'm saying? And she said that. And then when you just said that, that's what really like sparked everything and 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 like really made me just go harder in a whole nother way because I was kind of feeling like you know what I'm saying, words. Life without dreams is black and white. Exactly. The universe flows in technicolor and surround sound. That's hard. There you go. Salute to my mama here.